revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Welcome to Medicine on Call, where it's all about living the solutions. Today I have a really important show on, one that's going to be thought-provoking, one that's going to be mind-blowing, I think, for a lot of people, because we're going to talk about the direction that the country's going and all of these uh, socialist and communist and left-leaning policies that are being uh, bandied about and people who are proponents of them. We talk about single-payer a lot on the show because it affects us as me as a physician and me and my, and, and my patients and healthcare in general. But healthcare is only one aspect of this. I've spoken to many people, professors, business folks, and this seems to be a pattern. And I think we need to discuss where we're going and how we got here. And I wanted to have a gentleman on who is on the front line, who's written about this, who understands the nuance and the foundation of these proposals. And we're going to talk a lot about a few things, um, whether that's um, the universal basic income, whether it's about these groups that are out there to, to suppress free thought and free voice, because I think they're all connected. And I want to welcome Mr. Matthew Vadum, Vadum to the show. He's an award-winning investigative journalist and a recognized es- expert in left-wing uh, activism and especially in Solowinsky-inspired community organizing. And I think we've heard that word, and people need to go and look up Solowinsky so they understand where we're going with this. But I want to bring this down to talking about the facts. This is not an emotion-driven show. It's about the facts. So you can go and do your own research and stop being led by the nose by people telling you what you should think, depending on what you look like, where you come from, what <laughs> what your DNA is. This is about the truth and about finding it. So, Mr. Vadim, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's an honor to have you. Well, thanks for having me on, Doctor. I appreciate it. Well, let's start from the beginning. Um, how did you get into this line of investigative journalism? Because I'm sure it didn't just come to you, you know, without some sort of impetus, did it? Well, I had always been interested in, in the media, you know, like as a little boy playing with microphones and tape recorders and, you know, pretending to host my own show and, you know, <laughs> things like that as a little kid. Uh, so I, I'd always been inclined that way, but uh, um, I guess ev- uh, uh, every law school I considered applying helped make up my, make my decision for me <laughs> to, to not you know, to be a journalist. I just kind of, uh, I, I did just kind of, um, in a way, fall into it. Writing and researching are something that I've always been pretty good at. And and uh, uh, in university, it really, um, I really got into it and, and got very involved in, in campus publications and uh, and uh, found that I really uh, enjoyed the work. And, that, and I just, um, I just kept, uh, kept on doing it there's always um something there's always bad people out there doing bad things and i think that good people need to know about them and that's uh the main thing um that that drives me uh it's obviously not wealth or i would have tried harder to get into law school i guess well i think i thank god for what you do because you're the the other side of our media system right now. I, I think unless you're really out there looking for the truth, if you just turn on the TV or pick up a typical magazine or newspaper, I'm not so sure you're getting to the root cause of anything. It's just the same pablum. And I think people think if you say it often enough, say the same thing, that people will begin to believe it. But I don't know if that's still what's going on. There's been an interesting three years where I think the media has been outed for just keeping the status quo, despite right. what's in your family. I mean, you, I don't know if you're watching what's going on in TV right now, but it's really a study in truth versus fiction. I mean, it's amazing that people can sit there and lie with impunity, with, you know, some 
oomph behind it, and it's it's shocking. It's like they don't understand people can do their own research all of a sudden. And are you you've you've must have well, I'm gonna ask this. Have you seen has the media changed that drastically, or is is it just being exposed? The, well, the media. Uh, I don't know that it's changed that drastically. It's just that now um, people have choices, and so we don't have to necessarily um, go along with the. Uh, you know, everything that Walter Cronkite uh, and the Washington Post and the New York Times mm-hmm. tell us is, uh, is, is, is really happening in, in our country and in our world. Now we have options and we can see that they're the, the legacy media uh, have, for the most part, an agenda. They believe in radical social change. And uh, this is especially true at the national level, national media. It seems to be less true in terms of, like, local and regional media. But, there, you know, there's still an element of it there. Mm-hmm. But people, especially on the national level, um, uh, you know, tend to believe that, uh, that, society, that, that government is our friend and that society, what's wrong with people, can be fixed by the government. And this is a, a dangerous illusion that um, leftists have been harboring for a long time, and it has spilled over into journalism. Um, and nowadays, especially, um, you know, whenever a Republican is president, um, suddenly, you know, there are lots of problems in the country that we didn't notice when a li- liberal Democrat was president. And, and, and we start hearing about all these things, like, uh, you know, when George W. Bush was president, um, Suddenly there was homelessness about it. And before that, they did, they pulled the homeless trick too, um, um, inventing a homeless crisis when Ronald Reagan was president. Uh, and now that, um, Donald Trump is president, everything is wrong with American society and everything is his fault. Uh, and everything that he does is not normal, which is one, according to them, and that's the way they're trying to make it look like. Everything that Trump, Donald Trump does is out of the ordinary, is bizarre, is unprecedented, and is uh, and rises to the level of impeachment. Like you're going into the impeachment inquiry that that is going on in Congress in the House of Representatives right now, mm-hmm. and these people don't seem to have the first clue about the American uh, political system. The American political system vests foreign policy power in in the president. He sets foreign policy subject to some, you know, various restrictions from Congress. But then people are saying, well, we didn't like what the policy was in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So we decided to, to, to be so-called whistleblowers. And, uh, we think this is a terrible thing and, and he should be impeached. But that was the official U.S. foreign policy. Whatever the president says it is, like, uh, President Harry Truman didn't ask for any, for anybody's permission when he recognized Unilaterally recognized the state of Israel by writing it by, with, you know, by means of a handwritten note on White House stationery. I mean, <laughs> it's that <laughs> simple. And people don't seem to understand that. You don't have to like the foreign policy. You don't have to agree with it. But that's what U.S. foreign policy is. It's determined by the president. There, it's not subject to a vote. And, uh, you know, everything Trump does, uh, and he hasn't helped himself by mouthing off all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the other hand, you know, for every negative point there is about Trump, there are plenty of positive points. People have said for years, you know, you, we need a Republican president. We need a Republican leader who fights. Well, they've got one. And, but he won't stop fighting. <laughs> is, I guess the downside of having a, a street fighter in the White House. But, you know, at least this is a guy you can't pull over, you can't pull, pull anything over on him. You can't, um, intimidate him or, or trick him. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's really a champion of the, of the American people. Anyway, I'm digressing and going, turning, this is turning into a rant, but I, I think you can see that the media likes to twist everything, um, so that it looks like Trump, um, um, the Trump administration is an aberration. Uh, and it isn't, it actually, um, you know, spending is out of control, uh, and Trump hasn't done much to curb that. But neither did Obama or George W. Bush or Bill Clinton 
or George H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan or Jimmy Carter. Like, this is not a problem that was suddenly invented on President Donald Trump's watch. Um, and they're making it out like um, like he invented deficit uh, spending, which, um, again, is not to, to justify the policy, but it, but it certainly provides some context. It helps to explain it. So now everything that President Trump does uh, is, ab- is abnormal, whether it's complimenting uh, his daughter Ivanka by saying she's attractive and that gets him accused of being an incestuous pedophile to, <laughs> you know, all, all the other crazy allegations uh, made against him. Uh, and it, and it, they just, I don't, they just, uh, they don't stop in the, the, me- the media. Um, used to it, used to, at least in the old days, from what I can recall, functioned as more of a gatekeeper, but now uh, it serves as more of an amplifier mm-hmm. of all these um, innuendos and all these uh, false stories that, that some people now call fake news. Whereas before they tried to, at least they seemed to be making an effort to pair, um, um, to filter them out in previous years, but now it's like every day, um, there's, there's, uh, new crap out there. And there's, there's some guy, what was his name? Daniel Dale. Mm-hmm. He was, he's at CNN and he was at the Toronto star and he would, you know, he had like a lie detector page or something on the website and, and, you know, press president Trump lied eight times today and I can document it. Well, <laughs> you know, presidents do lie and, you know, Plato's, uh, or was it Aristotle? One of the ancient Greek philosophers talked about the noble lie, you know, the, the, the lie that's necessary for the good of the state or for the good of the people. So I'm sure President Trump does lie, but he's not a pathological liar. He doesn't just sit there and lie and lie and lie all day long. The guy's a, a natural born salesman and he engages in puffery, you know, when he says this is the greatest or it's going to be the best ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was just a hilarious piece in The Onion, I think it was The Onion a couple of days ago, or maybe it was the Babylon Bee, I forget, one of those satirical websites that said, Trump Trump uh, turns tables on critics by in, by endorsing impeachment. <laughs> <laughs> and and it just shows how crazy, you know, it, it's, it's satirical, but it's not altogether implausible. You say, oh, I, I think it's a great idea, maybe... Maybe the best idea ever, quoted as saying, and I, I fully stand, uh, I fully stand behind it. Uh, and as you know, every if Trump likes something, if, if if Trump likes something, they don't like something because orange man bad. Exactly. Uh, as some have come uh, have come to say, and the media is the primary amplifier of this kind of crap, especially publications. Um, you know, the Washington Post has gotten far worse than the New York Times in the Trump era, and CNN is just nonstop, you know, leftist propaganda. You know, I'm I, I dread when I'm stuck in an airport or or in a you know um, fast food restaurant, a Wendy's or a McDonald's, and I'm forced, um, you know, to look at the uh, at uh, at Brian Sta- Brian Stelter's shining um, shining um, uh, cranium. Uh, on the TV screen for a long period of time. Uh, you know, this is just, they, they, they're not committed to truth. They're committed to a narrative, and that's that's a problem. They, you know, they should be committed just to uncovering the truth. You, it's fine to have an opinion, but, but they're always pushing a narrative the way they want things to be mm-hmm. instead of the way things really are. And And that's not journalism. That's, you know, opinion advocacy. And um, the, the mainstream media has largely forgotten how to do journalism, and it's it's a sad thing. I think on that note, we'll take our first break, because when we come back, I want to explore that, because there are consequences for this, this win-at-all-cost you know, kind of attitude. Let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. 
before the break, you, know, you didn't, you gave us an excellent foundation on why we got to this level and what the thought process was. And my, my gut feeling is it's about power and it's about getting back into power at all costs. You have to lie to do it. You have to cheat to do it. It doesn't matter as long as you get the power. And just as have the, the liberal side of the aisle saying that they don't, they would rather people not have jobs and, and suffer just to get this president out of power. That says a lot to me about what they think about us, the, the, the people of this country. We should all want the same thing, which is to be, have a family if you want, live well, die in your bed, you know, not you know, on a bunch of tubes, etc. but having lived a quality, a quality life. We can disagree on how you get there, but the way they're doing it, it's about demonization. You just describe all these things they called, you know, the president, all sorts of horrible names, which with no facts, no proof, and it seems to be the, 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 the recourse. And I understand people don't like his tweeting, but honestly, if he doesn't defend himself, who else is going to? Because they've just hit yeah, so below the belt. He's got, he's, got, he's got a tweet. It's just, yeah, he does stuff in, um, excessively sometimes. And, you know, sometimes what he tweets is, can be cringeworthy every once in a while, or more than every once in a while. But, but it's his only defense. And if mm-hmm. he didn't have it, have it, he'd get rolled by the media every day. It certainly seems that way. And the... Yeah. the he, mu- he must tweet. I it's agree. His superpower. It's his superpower. <laughs> well, it's his unfiltered he's, way. He's good at it. Yep, he's good at it. You know, I think he embodies what we all should be doing. Instead of being shut up and shut down by people who disagree with us, we need to stand up for what we believe in. If you don't like it, you can turn it off. You don't have to subscribe to it. But I really take offense to the people who want to shut it down. You know, the people who you shouldn't exist at all because I don't agree with you because you hurt my feelings. How did we get to this level where you're not even able to have reasonable discourse because it's offensive and therefore shouldn't exist? That we shouldn't have, um, that we, I'm sorry, I I don't, not really, could you, could you restate the question? I I, I don't really follow you. Well, we're at a position now that you can't disagree with each other. If someone is offended, then you can't have a conversation. You just have to be shut down. How do you get to that point? how did we get to that point? Yeah. Well, largely political correctness. I'm sorry I didn't grasp it the way you worded it the first time, but mm. they, um, uh, yeah, largely political correctness. And, uh, well, and Americans are, you know, Americans are nice. They don't want to seem like they're, um, scolding other people or being difficult. Uh, uh, they're not as nice as the stereotypical Canadian saying sorry all the time, <laughs> but, um, they, uh, they're, you know, Americans are pretty fair-minded and they don't like, um, being difficult. They don't like, uh, you know, discussions of Islam, even though, um, uh, Islam is the, you know, the world's greatest, um, contributor to, um, you know, to terrorism. Uh, and I'm not condemning Muslims. I'm just saying Islam as an institution is generating these things. And, you know, we need to be able to, to discuss that. Um, people don't want to, uh, people, people also cave in nowadays. People are strangely deferential to others who are loud, uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. who have loud opinions and who are noisy, um, in expressing them and they don't want to fight. They, you know, if someone, something I'd never heard of until, you know, I started living in big cities some years ago. Uh, you know, you used to, if somebody was making a lot of noise in the apartment building you lived in, you went and knocked on their do- door, or if you had their phone number, called them and asked them if they could turn their stereo down. But now people just rat each other out to the police anonymously. <laughs> and it's, is it because they don't want to look them in the eyes? They don't want the confrontation? Um, pe- people are afraid to take consequences for their actions? I, I-, I think it's a combination uh, of all these things, people don't want to, um, people don't want to cause trouble. Um, and I, I don't think this, I don't think this is a good thing. You know, sometimes you need to cause trouble. You mm-hmm. need to confront problems or they're, or they're not going to go away. And so this sort of culture of, of fake politeness, this, this cult of civility, mm-hmm. as some people have called it, uh, 
um, really is um, is strangling um, civic uh, uh, is really sent, you know stra- uh, strangling discourse in this country, making it very difficult to have uh, reasonable involved discussions on on just about any topic. I would agree. I don't think it may it may be more civil on the surface, but I think it's a lot of resentment and fermenting and creating um, this division underneath it. But isn't that the whole point? It's a divide and conquer Hegelian dialectic mode where you basically pit people against each other. And the sad part is you're working against your own interests most of the time just so you can be part of a group or a whole or just to keep your head down so you just shut up and get along. But it, it never works out, does it? Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, uh, you know, people shouldn't, people should try to get along, but that, you know, aiming for, um, social peace shouldn't be the, the highest, um, you know, most noble objective because it means that, um, important ideas don't get discussed. And so we really need to move back in that direction. And I'm not sure how we're going to get there, but it's something that needs to be done. Well, I think respect would be the number one way that we can get back to some sort of balance because there really isn't any now. It's the people who you you mentioned before, the ones that are the loudest, the ones that are the most um, intrusive and invasive and violent now, increasingly, that seem to be getting away with, you know, pushing this pendulum in in yeah. in a way that I don't think anybody likes. And maybe it's not so much that you don't want to be rude, it's that you don't want to get hurt. I mean, I've seen stories of people getting hit with bike locks. You know, you have these Antifa terrorist group, in my opinion, attacking people on the street, little old ladies just throwing waste on people, and they're not being arrested. I mean, is this part of the... Well, and also that that quick-mix concrete that was thrown on Andy No. Oh, that's right. Um, I, I always don't know how to pronounce his name. I guess it's Vietnamese or something, NGO. No or Nago or however you pronounce it. I don't mean to disrespect him because uh, he's a, a courageous um, investigative reporter. He likes to get in in people's faces and and uh, extract the truth from them. Yeah. And yet Antifa, you know, threw concrete at this guy and uh, beat him up. And yet he's widely uh, ridiculed in the leftist media, Vox and Slade and uh, and Salon as being. Uh, you know, a troublemaker who got what he deserved when really he was just trying to report on what Antifa uh, was doing in Portland, Oregon, and, and, and all the other places where he's he's covered Antifa. Um, but um, he's been vilified like all truth tellers are vilified. Um, it's, it's very dangerous to tell the truth to people who don't want to hear it. With a media that's got a megaphone just to show you one side is also dangerous because it makes it sound like there is no other alternative, that these are the only the only game in town, and it validates it. You know, I, you have to go online now. You have to go and search out the alternative media. You have to read mel- multiple sources <laughs> to get to the truth now because everybody's got a slant or an agenda or not everybody, but the corporatized media. It's about the status quo, and as you said at the beginning of the show, about taking down this this um, administration by any means necessary. And you know, I just challenge people to think outside the box, outside your little corner, and see if there's another side. Because we're we're all in this together. We can't live in an environment where people are afraid to breathe because someone's going to come after them. It's just a matter of time before it gets to a, a point that we all do not want it to get to. On that note, let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Lady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. 
All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Matthew Vadim. Uh, he's an investigative journalist and author, and I'm looking at one of your articles that you wrote back in May on universal basic income programs. And, you know, the the social democrat, democratic socialist and community organizing arm of the country always speak about how the wealthy are, and don't forget white males and white privilege, etc., is taking away from everybody. And one of the things that I think the Democratic candidates have been, some of them, proponents of is this universal basic income. Can you tell us what that is and if you think this is reasonable and viable or just another way to divide and conquer? Well, it seems that they like to call it UBI, universal basic income. Um, these government schemes, they've guaranteed annual income or guaranteed annual, guaranteed income. Uh, are other names that it goes by, and the basic the idea is that it's um, the government uh, pays you money to do whether you work or not. You get um, you get money, and uh, so it's sort of like the low income uh, uh, tax credit, low income tax credit people get right now, um, which is basically just a you know it's just a giveaway. It's it's a type of welfare though. So, some people, like the analysts at the Cato Institute and others in Washington, D.C., will say that it's better than the existing system. Nonetheless, it's still uh, a form of welfare. Now, some say, well, if we could abolish all the the rest of um, the welfare state and replace it with um, a universal basic income, then that would be a great deal mm-hmm. um, for, for taxpayers. Uh, and maybe it would, but I just don't see how you can get rid of the welfare state in one swoop, and how do you know it's not going to come back? Like, um, you know, <laughs> these things have a have a tendency of of returning. You know, there was a, a lot of people don't know there was around the time of the US, the Civil War there was um, an income tax in the United States, but it was so hated that as soon as the war was over, soon after the war was over, it was abolished. Um, you know, and it was uh, hated, and then people forgot about it, and then it rose from the ashes um, in the 20th century when the income tax amendment to the Constitution was passed. And this thing that nobody liked was suddenly back, and now it's with us permanently, it seems. It was a vengeance. Um, so, <laughs> right, so you can try to get rid of um, these excessive welfare programs. I think there are According to Robert Rector at the Heritage Foundation, I think there are somewhere between 70 or 80 or more uh, welfare programs at the federal level. When you know, be it food stamps, which is part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture (USDA) and uh, various other income support um, uh, programs. So uh, they're everywhere, and they take up um, uh, a large part of. The federal budget, I think that um, most people would agree that there needs to be some kind of, you know, my libertarian, like you, I have these libertarian proclivities that are slowly being beaten out of me in my old age. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it would be nice to get rid of the welfare state, but I don't think that's what the American people want. I think there want to be some kind of a limited uh, safety net, but... Um, I, you know, they, they, they want it to be a safety net and not a hammock, as it is for many people right now mm-hmm. um, who get, you know, overly generous benefits, uh, especially in places like, you know, New York City, where you know, it's totally out of control. Um, the idea behind this universal, um, um, between these, you know, guaranteed annual income schemes, like so, sort of like what they have in some Western European countries, 
is, as I said, you, you get money for not doing anything. And Andrew Yang has proposed doing that. He's the Democratic presidential candidate. He thinks that everybody should get a certain amount of money every year, whether they, they work or not. And, um, Again, these th- ideas might not be bad ideas if you could get rid of the rest of the welfare state, but I, I just don't think you can do it <laughs> at one at one time. So I don't think it's practical, and you know it's still it's still welfare. It's not, you know, does it encourage people to be? Uh, does it encourage people? Would it encourage people to be more, you know, financially responsible, more responsible for themselves and their families? I don't, I'm not convinced that it would. I'm not either, and I've taken it a step further. I think it locks you into, you know, not being able to work your way out of a situation if you're in it. What does $1,000 a month really do for anybody? What is that, a couple of bags of groceries or something? I mean, you're supposed to be happy with that. Why don't you aspire to make 5000 that you're making that you can actually, or more? What's the limit? You know, you're talking about just subsisting. And I they never ask answer the question as to whether that puts you if it puts you in another tax bracket if you have to pay more in, in taxes then you get with a sustainable income, um, you know the universal income thing. I mean, it's just kind of silly. Right. No one puts a value on you; you put it on yourself. And I see the the people who are proponents of this are super super rich. You know why don't they pay some taxes? They they glory in not paying any um, business taxes. What Amazon? But, uh, what's that guy? Um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to blank on his name. Bezos, but also the, the older guy. The um, owner of the Washington Post. Yeah, oh, I know. We and were actually in school together. Who's the other guy? Warren Buffett? There you go. I mean, he doesn't pay any taxes at all. He says he pays less than his secretary. So, I mean, why don't they just pay some taxes? I think that would be amazing. Instead of being troop, you know, multiple billionaires over and over, how much money do they actually need? But these are the people who are telling us you should turn your water off, not fly live in the dark in a cold apartment that's about the size of a coffin and be happy. That's offensive to me. Yeah, well, that's, uh, <laughs> they're, they're a bunch, you know, limousine liberals, you know, Mar- yeah. Mercedes, Marxists, whatever you want to call them. As they fly to their um, climate change and their jumbo jets. I mean, it's just laughable, honestly. Yeah, it really, it really is crazy stuff. And, uh, they want to impose they want to, you know, they know that whatever happens, they're, they're not going to be touched by it. Mm-hmm. They're not, even if they had to pay a lot of taxes, they're still going to have lots of money left over. So they're not really worried about the consequences on everyday people. It's just like with, you know, gun policy. Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, who's now thinking of running for president along with everybody else <laughs> in, the, in the country, so it seems, um, uh, is, uh, for strong gun control. Well, he's got armed guards, guys with guns who follow him around protecting him. Uh, and it's his right. He should be able to do that if he wants to do that. But he wants to deny, uh, everybody else, um, the, the security, um, that having firearms, uh, provides. And, uh, that's a problem with a lot of these, uh, uh, airy fairy liberal hypocrites. It's true. I, it, I guess it's uh, who's more equal than somebody else, right? But right, right, right. Some some animals are more equal than <laughs> others. From George Orwell's Animal Farm. Yeah, like they're living. I feel like I'm living in Brave New World versus Animal Farm. It's like a combination of these books. When we did read them, they're like, oh, this will never happen. It's just total fiction, and it almost feels like we're li- we're living it. But if we live it, then yeah. we should, if we read those books, we should know what the answer is, and it's to take our power back. And I just, there's nothing for free. People really need to understand that. Nobody loves you. They want you to have free education and free schooling and free health care. While they're getting the quality education, health care, et cetera, you're getting the dregs of it. You're not getting treatment. I can tell I mean, we have conversations about this. You, good luck getting an elective surgery. It's not happening. Good luck when you hit yeah. retirement age and, and need a hip replacement or a glaucoma surgery. Good luck with that. It's not happening. Ask the folks in Canada because those who can afford it come to the United States to get their surgeries done and, and their CTs and their MRIs. It's not fabulous. It lowers well, the standard. Well, I know some, also sometimes the um, the provincial plans in, in Canada, uh, the health plans will 
be unable to treat people, so they will fly them. They'll ship them to the United States um, for treatment when it's not possible to provide them with the, the same treatment, uh, with, with to provide them with the treatment they need uh, in in their own country. So uh, America, um, uh, you know, if America ever has single-payer health care, then the rest of the world is screwed because where are they going to run to when they need when they need a a specialist or an emergency operation that that is too difficult to provide in their home countries. Yeah. They will be out of luck. And so will we. Agreed. On that note, let's take our yeah. last break. You're listening to Medicine okay. on Call. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. You can catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and a host of other multimedia platforms. Subscribe and share it with your friends. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with with Mr. Matthew Vadim again. He's the author of Subversion, Inc. and also Team Jihad. Both of of those books can be um, purchased on Amazon.com. He also has a website, MatthewVadum.com, and that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-V-A-D-U-M.com. Um, before the break, Mr. Vadum, we were talking about people being more equal than others, and I'm curious to know if if we can talk a bit about the Alinsky model, because I think that's how this has all been used to roll things out. I remember in the last administration, it was a lot of... We went from being a cohesive country to being one of different victim groups. And I think it got, I think that was the genesis of this. I'm a bigger victim than you are. And you owe me because I'm, you know, for whatever reason, you owe me because it's not fair. That really wasn't, I just remember as a kid, if you didn't have something, you worked harder. If your friends or your family or um, neighbors had a car, you'd work harder so you can get a better car. It wasn't that they took it from you, you need to take theirs. It was just a different mentality. What's that Alinsky mm-hmm. method? What is that? And do you think it's running the socialist communist underpinning that's going on in the country right now? Well, Alinsky's ideas have been absorbed by the left uh, by uh, osmosis, and they're now just um, standard operating procedure for, for people on the left. And so... I thought it was pretty hilarious recently when um, people thought that Barack Obama was being a, a good citizen by counseling his fel- fellow Democrats not to be um, as far left as they've been. 
uh, in the Democratic presidential race because that will scare off independents and moderates in the electorate. Uh, and some people were convinced, oh, that, you know, oh, this much mean that deep down Barack Obama is a good guy. No, he's not. He's a communist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, at least in spirit he is, uh, or was during his student days. And, and there's a lot of that, um, um, left in him. He's just being an Alinskyite. He's saying, don't frighten the squares, the middle class, the bourgeoisie. Because they're the ones who hold the real power. As Saul Alinsky said, get rid of your, um, your, your, um, hippy dippy, uh, uh, tie dye t-shirts, shave, uh, put on a suit and tie and make yourself presentable because otherwise you're going to frighten away the people who decide elections and you're not gonna, you're not gonna get anywhere. And so, uh, Barack Obama was doing that. He's just saying, you can, he was pushing the, the gospel of incrementalism. That doesn't mean he doesn't want the same crazy radical outcome mm-hmm. that these kooky Democratic t- t- presidential candidates like Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris. Oh, Kamala Harris, I don't throw around the word, word evil lightly, but I think she's the only one of the Democratic contenders I would actually describe as an evil person. And I'm so glad to see that she's really taking a beating and she'll likely be out of the, the race soon. Um, just a rotten person, a really um, uh, uh, scheming, um, uh, unethical prosecutor uh, and, and the worst kind of demagogue. But anyway, the, the Alinsky approach is to, to get what you can uh, as quickly as you can and uh and run away with it once once you have it you um create um um you have to create victims and a linskyite and a, a solinsky inspired community organizer is always on the hunt for new victims um you have to have someone to um to keep your people interested you have to be able to inveigh against someone you have to have somebody to use to polarize um, the people in the community and the, and the electorate, and so they constantly are creating new villains. It was you know just a few years ago nobody'd heard of the Koch brothers, and I'm not a big fan of much of what the Koch brothers do, especially their you know uh, uh, you know cr- criminal reform policies and stuff like that, but they're not you know, these horrible, ghoulish villains that they've been painted out to be, that they've been, you know, portrayed as. Uh, uh, but the, the Alinskyite left decided that they needed um, a new uh, villain. So so they they created them and started, um, you know, talking about how terrible they are and uh, greatly exaggerating the bad things that they're doing or, or misrepresenting it um, entirely. And uh, that's what the left does uh, Alinskyites need victims? You must um, take somebody and vilify them and get people upset. You must rub roar. Uh, you must rub sore the. Um, uh, uh, you must rub raw the sores of discontent. I think was the phrase that he used in Rules for Radical Radicals. You have to uh, get people upset. You can't. Um, condemn a system, okay? You can't just say, oh, capitalism is bad. Mm-hmm. You have to name a specific person. You have to put a face on it or people won't be able to relate to it. You see, a lot of what Alinsky teaches, not everything he teaches is bad. A lot of it is common sense, um, you know, and you could find it in any management consulting book or any political organizing book. Um, he he explains in Rules for Radicals and in his earlier book, Reveille for Radicals, uh, the, you know, how to how to reach out to and how to uh, manipulate people and get them to do what you want. And he was very good at it, which is why he was admired by President Obama so much and why Hillary Clinton almost took a job with him. She interned with him and uh, wrote her um, senior thesis at Wellesley College um, about, um, you know, about what a great guy Saul Alinsky was. I believe her thesis was called There is Only the Fight. And uh, it was about Alinsky. And, uh, you know, while there were some minor sort of 
cosmetic criticisms in it. It was basically one big love fest, one big um, 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 ode to um, uh, the wondrous Saul Alinsky. Um, Saul Alinsky people, um, you know, they thrive on lies. When the truth is not um, good enough to get people motivated, then then just lie. It works. It works as well as the way that they see it. Wow. I mean, it's we're seeing it play out. So that's out. an overview. It's kind of hard hard to summarize Alinsky in just a few minutes, but I think that's an uh, an overview of what what he stood for. I think it's a fair. He died overview. in the seventies. Yeah. And it's we're seeing it play out. You demonize anybody who you don't agree with, and you create victims. And such, I think they're very good at it. Frankly, just to see these college cho- these college kids sitting in the, you know, they are part of the 1% and the future 1% saying how they're victims and they're the worst, you know, they're just devastated. This is ridiculous. You're sitting in the best colleges in the world, in the best country in the world, and you're you're saying that you've, we've gone nowhere, we're still in slavery. I mean, it makes absolutely no no sense whatsoever. And hate, no, self-hate and self-loathing, projecting it on other people. I mean, is it, I mean, one way to break this paradigm, I would think, is to stop babying it, stop couching it. Just say, I don't care what you think, and walk away from it. I mean, you can't even argue with these folks because they're so indoctrinated. But if you don't play their game and if you don't fall into the trap, if they can't make you angry or, or get a rise out of you, does that break this cycle somehow? Well, yes, I guess it, it could. Um, they don't have a... Uh, you know, they have to create, they always have to make things worse than they are. And um, making people think things are worse than they are sometimes works. That's why George, that's largely, not entirely, but that's largely why George H.W. Bush wasn't reelected in 1992. It's because uh, his opponents were able to convince the American people that the economy was in recession or was about to go in recession mm-hmm. and that things were bad. Of course, I'm leaving out the stuff about the, the read my lips, no new taxes promise that George H.W. Bush betrayed, but, you know, which is also a part of it. But, but, you know, lies are what move social change today um, for the left. Like how many racial um, hoaxes have we seen? How many, um, you know, outright lies about um, hate crime attacks on Muslims uh, have we seen only to have them retracted a few days later, um, committed by people trying to advance the leftist narrative and trying to get people to, to hate each other uh, in order to increase turmoil in society on the theory that... Um, Turmoil presents an opportunity for change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they don't, good news doesn't work for these people, so there has to be bad news. There's no way to spin um, a great economy that has uh, basically, there's no unemployment now because we're below 4% national unemployment. So I think economists call that, um, um, you know, full employment effectively. Because the number of people, when you get under 4%, the number of people that are being counted are just people who are like in transit between jobs, like mm-hmm. a few weeks. They give notice, and so then they, they, they say they're unemployed for like three weeks until they start a new job, and so on. It's just the normal sort of churn, um, ebb and flow of, of the labor market. But when you have, um, you know, full employment and when you have a, a booming economy uh, and housing prices are starting to rise again, um it's hard for people to complain. Um, so they have to keep focusing on the negative, and if they can't um, focus on the negative, then they have to invent the negative. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, they're getting pretty good at that. They are, but they're also getting exposed, too, because it's gotten so out- outlandish. I mean, this whole, as we went, let's come full circle, talking about this impeachment fiasco, it's become such a circus that people are really just starting to question the whole thing because you don't know when to stop and how many lies to you just can't stop yourself from telling bigger whoppers that get found out within minutes. Now it's not like it lasts for even a week anymore. It's almost immediate that you get exposed for something that was completely untrue. 
Um, in the few mm-hmm. seconds that we have left, how can people find your website and also get your books? Yeah, my website's MatthewVadum.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W. Vadum, V-A-D-U-M.com. I write nowadays. I'm a freelancer, but I write pretty well every day for the Epic Times, Epic Times newspaper. Epic is E-P-O-C-H. And I think that's where you saw my article about the guaranteed annual income schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also write, uh, though not every week recently, for FrontPageMag.com, a publication of the uh, really awesome David Horowitz Freedom Center. Occasionally I write for American Spectator and for uh, Canada Free Press, all good um, websites. Um, and you, yeah, you can get my books, which the 2011 book through published by WND was Subversioning, which is about the radical left and Obama and Acorn and uh, Team Jihad in 2017, which is about the left working with Islam to undermine um, the safety and security of the United States. And that was published um, two years ago by the Center for Security Policy Press. Well, so that's where you can find these things if you want to give me money. <laughs> and well, you and I, wel- I, I welcome your money. And that's a nice, um, you know, you, you get paid for what you do and for your labor. There's nothing wrong with that. You're providing a service no. and value, and it's, it's appropriate to get um, reimbursed for that. So I'm all for it. Right. I'd love if to- only journalism paid better. <laughs> and medicine. <laughs> On that note, I will let you go. I'd like to have you come back and talk about the um, Team Jihad book because I think that's very timely, especially in the society we're living in. And it's not about good or bad and my way is the right way. We need to understand each other, and that means the good and the bad. Just not talking about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it allows you to be equal with each other and have a, a, a decent conversation and hopefully learn and respect each other. And on that note, I'd like to thank you again for coming on, and I look forward to having you on again. And thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.